Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave with the Military Millionaire Podcast, and I am here with Dan Mack. So, no, 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 David, you stop. <laughs> this is not going to go the way you want it to. This week, everybody, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dan Mackin. I host the Millennial Real Estate Investor Podcast, and we've had David on. He's helped us host before, and he wanted to talk about himself. And nobody wants to hear David just talk about himself with himself. That just sounds like the worst possible episode that we could even do. So we figured I'll come on, I'll interview him about different things so you can actually get to know who the heck you're listening to every week and go from there. And this way you're not just falling asleep at the wheel and whatever else you're doing and listening to your podcast and, you know, get some real information about who the heck is even giving you good information out there because David's not a complete scam artist, but there's some things we need to get cleared up here. (laughs) Well, thanks for making me sound conceited, dumb, and uh, boring, but I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm here to do today. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you who didn't see the post, I, uh, I threw it up on Facebook uh, a week ago and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing a solo episode for a change of pace. What do you guys want to hear about? And everybody said my story. And then Dan was like, how about I just interview you? And a whole bunch of people like that idea. And that it definitely sounds better than me just talking about my story on my own. So here goes nothing. And yeah. for you, editor, that's the intro. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. So, David, let's let's kind of go into some weird things here. You know, everybody who's been listening to your show, they get an idea of the fact that you're into different financial things. You're not, I would say, typical military and that you actually think about money in different ways than other people. But, you know, I want to have some of those weird stories. Like, first, I want to ask you, have you ever bought a charger? <laughs> uh, to prove that I'm not your typical military, I'm going to crack a beer for the duration of this recording because <laughs> what, what better way to talk about myself than drinking? Well, let's lead into that then before we ask you about what cars you've bought. Uh, How did you prepare for this podcast tonight? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I sat in the hot tub and drank a beer uh, because I couldn't think of anything that I really felt was a question worth asking myself to give you. I was thinking like, man, maybe I should give him some like some softballs. And and then I said, you know what? I'm going to go sit in the hot tub and drink a beer because it's kind of been a long day. And that sounds like a great way to prepare for anything. And uh that led into beer number two, and here we go. Um, to answer your question, though, I have not owned a Charger. However, I have owned an antique truck, a Harley, a Acura Integra, a 1988 Volvo, a 2001 S2000 that I turbocharged, a Volkswagen Jetta sedan, Volkswagen Jetta station wagon, and now a Volkswagen or a Focus, and then now a Volkswagen Jetta station wagon, not including cars I paid for my wife, and I had a Harley. If I didn't say that one already. You did say the Harley. So, um, so that averages out to what, one car a year? I, I've been a pretty crazy. I mean, a lot of those have been, you know, thousand or $2,000 purchases in cash that I played around with and then they blew up or I got rid of them. <laughs> um, but the, the Harley, the sports car, the truck have all been very much, you know, toys. So they, they were much more costly than they needed to be and, and not well, uh, well-purchased machines. The Jetta... Right now, you know, I mean, I didn't buy it cash. I paid 11000 for it, but it was worth fourteen. had 20,000 miles on it, and it's a diesel, so it's going to run forever. 
Yeah. Oh. Did you actually get it all fixed up though, the way that Volkswagen was supposed to fix it? Or are you still running old style? No, no, I did. And I plan on uh, going back because it gets better gas mileage, better power. And it, I really can't, like, I know that it's quote bad for the emissions test, but you're going to tell me that my two liter diesel Jetta that gets 50 miles a gallon is worse than a six liter Cummins turbo diesel that's spewing black smoke, but quote meets emissions. No. You don't want to have the first like rolling coal Jetta. <laughs> uh, I mean, Dude, I have seen, like, no joke, I saw a guy in Missouri had one that was a sedan. He could put it in reverse and stomp the gas and pop the back wheels off the ground. So there's some pretty mean little diesel Jettas out there. <laughs> there are. I considered one for a while, but it was right as all that crap went down. Because here in Colorado, that's all anybody wants is wagons. So they can put all their ski stuff in it. And if you're not trying to be the typical, you know, crunchy or bolder person here in Colorado... You're not getting a Subaru. So you try to avoid the Subaru. All that was left was getting a Jetta wagon. So you're right on track. You can just come here and live here. Dude, I love this diesel Jetta. Like, I, I mean, anything diesel Jetta, I, but the wagon is incredible. And I've got like the full moonroof. It's awesome. Yep. The worst part I would, I would say about being anybody that's in the financial space is you constantly get guilt tripped for being a car person. It doesn't mm. matter what you do. Like I went to a hybrid for a while and just felt miserable because it was the most boring thing to drive in the world. <laughs> Now I bought myself a big sedan so I can go drag racing again and like have something that's comfortable. And I feel guilty every day for having it, but then I push the gas pedal and I don't care anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, at some point, like you got to have, that's why I think this is a good compromise because it's not a cheap car where the doors and the paint's falling off, but it's comfortable. It's also not going to depreciate 60% in the next five years, like a new car will. So Exactly. In fact, I don't know that it'll ever be worth less than I paid for it or less than I owe on it at this point. So No, they hold their value, especially the wagons at some point. So before we, you know, while we're not digging too much into cars, because that's not what this episode's about. It just became a Ford versus Ferrari. (laughs) Exactly. I do own a Ford now, but it's technically a Lincoln. I'm going to get my license. The license plate thing will come out soon. I think it's going to say Abraham, just so those few people can actually get the joke. Uh, So let's, let's kind of talk about other kind of odd things then like first off before i get into other weird stories from you is like how did you even get into this financial military space anyways because that's not it's such a specific niche that is existing out there so how'd you even get into wanting to help people and figuring this out in the first place yeah i mean originally i got into finance i mean I, i lost a bunch of money in the stock market lost a bunch of money doing other stupid things and uh Somebody handed me the book Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2015 when they were trying to get me to sell for Amway, uh, multi-level marketing, all the good <laughs> stuff. And uh, I told them I don't read. I was like, bah, pff, books, bah. haven't done that since high school unless it was like a Marine Corps related book. And uh, so he, he like no joke pulled a CD out of his freaking pocket and was like, I have it on disc and you drive a lot. Here you go. And I was like, well, he got me. I got to listen to this damn thing. Um, and that's what started it all. Like that, I mean, it was like book, 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 house, house, duplex, you know, whatever. It was very quick. I've, I mean, very quick. I've slowed down a little bit since then. Um, but I mean, I bought my first duplex within three months of reading Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, it was just kind of like, a, well, I'll build my parachute on the way down. Uh, but in 2018, the I guess January, might have been December of 17, I was debating writing a book. I have this... Uh, log book over here, uh, like a journal for my deployment. Like one, I have two books. It's like one's a journal of all my thoughts and feelings and whatever. And the other is, and man, that's got some sappy. I went through a breakup and woe is me. Oh my God, crap in it. Um, but the other is like a, a mission log. So it was literally like, Hey, mission one departed at this time with this many trucks and this many people. Here's the mission. You know, at this time we stopped here and, and uh, very technical. And I was going to like try to match a mirror and, uh, 
write a book just like, hey, this is what a normal non-special ops person went through in Afghanistan. Because I was in a pretty, uh, there's a documentary about the area of Afghanistan I was in. So I, I was in a pretty cool area. In fact, uh, Kyle Carpenter, who earned the Medal of Honor, actually, I didn't realize this till I read his book, but earned the Medal of Honor on a house that I could point out to you in a map. Like, oh, he, specific. like, like same, same town, same. I mean, he, he, I think he got hurt in beginning of November and I left in December. Um, so same time frame. He mentions a couple routes in the book and I'm like, I drove on that route. I know exactly where, you know, it's very, very, very much like, Oh, I know where he was. Um, and I didn't know that. So it, it was pretty, it was a hot spot. I didn't see anything crazy, but you know, I thought about writing a book about it. Like this is a normal person doing Marine Corps things. Then I realized that nobody would care. Like nobody's going to listen to that. Nobody, nobody knows who I am. I'm not got this like seal background. Like there's nothing pizzazz, you know? And uh, so I was like, well, I'll start blogging and write some stuff and I'll get better at writing and maybe I get a following. And then, uh, you know, Brandon Turner, bigger pockets. He was over at my house for dinner, uh, right around that time frame. And I think he just basically was like, why don't you just document what you're doing? Like there's a, there's a military subset of real estate investors. You should just start writing about crap. And I was like, Hmm. That's a cool idea. So I came up, nobody, not a whole lot of people know this. I came up with a whole bunch of names for my website, right? And I threw them all out there and none of them won. Like there was no, it was all like one vote. Like nobody liked any of what, I don't know what they were. I don't even have that list. I don't think anywhere. And a buddy of mine who's not in the military was like, what about military millionaire? Boom. And uh, the domain was taken. So he's like, how about from military to millionaire? And I was like, ah, it's about a journey. That's cool. So I threw that like two different variations of that into the same group. And I mean, it was like every vote here, no votes anywhere else. It was like, <laughs> Oh, so I didn't even pick the name for my domain or anything. And so it's really funny because people literally come up to me now and they're like, Oh, you're the military millionaire. And I'm like, dude, not only am I not a millionaire yet, I didn't even come up with that damn name. So it's pretty funny. It doesn't matter if he did our first iteration before we did this millennial specific thing. You know, I just started asking around. I was like, here's what we're trying to do. What do you have? And somebody came up with ditching nine to five. And I was like, I love that name. Like, thank you for coming up with it. Oh my God, the domain exists. We're rolling with it. And that's how half this comes up. But it's perfect that like the journey part of it is great because that's where a lot of websites, if that's the concept you're going for, that's where it catches on. Even, you know, some people out there might know Mindy and Carl Jensen from Bigger Pocket. Yeah. Um, and theirs is 1500 days and it was their 1500 day journey to reaching financial independence. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it's nice to have these kind of journeys as things go along, but you know, I like how you just name drop people Then I'm assuming you've done it in the past as well. But like, how do you, how do you meet people like Brandon Turner? Cause like Brandon Turner in the financial space is his own version of celebrity. And you know, these guys as if you've known them for a long time, like you act as like, Oh, I'm just going to go hang out with so-and-so, but this isn't something that just happened. Hmm. I mean, you make me tell all my secrets. Yep. Uh, so uh, one would be recruiting. Um, I, I learned a lot as a military recruiter. Uh, they teach you how to network, how to build rapport, how to, um, they, what really, and they talk to you about one of the things they talk about is trying to get what they call your key senior. So when you're a recruiter, what you want to do is you want to find the key senior in your school. So the first person you should enlist at the beginning of the year, if, if the world is perfect, is like the, the, captain of the football team, the captain of the baseball team, captain of the wrestling team, captain of the cheerleading squad, whatever, somebody who everybody in the school knows and likes. Because then when you go into school, you're like, hey, you know, I'm going to use the name Joseph Hogue because if he ever listens to this, he'll know. And this was, if he's listening to this, I didn't target him. He was just a good dude. But he was captain of the football team and the wrestling squad 
a wrestling team, whatever they call themselves, at his high school. And I I didn't even know when I first talked to him that he was either of those things. But uh, <laughs> we start talking, and it took, I mean, we talked for months before he ever decided to enlist. But even when we were just talking and he wasn't going to enlist, I would go to the school and Joseph would come up and hang out with me at the school. And all of a sudden, people would come and hang out with you. So I kind of teaches you like, hey, don't be afraid of talking to the popular kid. Like, go talk to him, which if you go way back, I was homeschooled. I was a total loser. I had like an Afro mutton chops looked like hide from that 70s show. Really good at socializing sheltered dude who like very religious parents, very, you know, missionary parents, um, nothing wrong with that, but I was not exposed to, I don't think I saw pot till I was a senior in high school. Like I don't think I, I didn't drink until I started playing rugby and I was almost 18. Um, you know, I mean, I didn't do any. I mean, I don't think I had my first cigarette till after boot camp. Maybe, maybe like a few months before. I don't know. I think I did smoke a little bit, but like not, you know, as far as high school craziness goes, not me. Um, and so I joined the Marine Corps, and all of a sudden I'm exposed to this whole different world, whatever. But like to go from that and being terrified of public speaking to how much of a extrovert I am now, I think a couple things. I mean, when I was in high school, I was trying to compensate, so I tried to like talk to everyone, but I was still a loser. Um, I was always that guy who like knew a bunch of people, but like didn't hang out with, like I had like a few friends, but I was never popular. I was never, in fact, I distinctly remember the one semester I went to public school being like friends with the pitcher on the baseball team because I played baseball and then sitting next to him at a high school table and just very, very quickly realizing like I'm not wanted here and getting up and going elsewhere. Um, So I was never like, anyway, all that to say, Brandon meeting him was a total like misnomer. Um, he posted that he was going to be at an event in uh, Hawaii and I was stationed out there. So I was like, Oh, I got to go. You know, I shook his hand, said, thanks for everything. You know, I read your book and closed the duplex right away. Uh, and I talked to him for like two minutes and I just, I was like, okay, cool. I did my piece. I don't want to annoy him. And I went and talked to a bunch of other people at the event. And one of those people was Doug Nordman who I didn't know was Doug Nordman at the time. And he was just this old guy with a ponytail who retired from the Navy. So we got along. And I, somewhere in that conversation, decided to go surfing with Doug on Saturday. And when I went surfing with Doug on Saturday, I realized that Brandon was there to visit Doug. And so I was surfing with Brandon and Doug. And that was really crazy to me. Uh, but we got talking. We spent three or four hours just sitting on our surfboards. There weren't, any, there weren't really any waves that day. And I had just closed or was under contract on my 10 unit. And we were just talking and, you know, whatever. And, um, and then like the next day I went to lunch with him and I remember sitting at a lunch table and it's like, Brandon, some one or two people I don't know, uh, like a realtor, David Green, hadn't written any books yet. Corey Nimoto, who if you know Corey, he's a huge success out in Hawaii. And I didn't know who any of these guys were. I was just like, ah, hanging out, woo, just, you know? Yeah. Um, and I didn't know at the time, like how powerful that lunch was. Like David, obviously everyone knows who David Green is now. Hadn't written his first book yet. Uh, a lot of people know who Corey is, but he was, he's just a very quiet, mellow dude. Um, and so anyway, so all those things became friendships, I think in part because I met a lot of them before they kind of, you know, overnight successed it. Um, but then, it, then the other piece is just adding value and being a friend more than asking. Like I have never once texted Brandon or David or any of them and asked them to be my mentor or coach me. Uh, I mean, there have been one or two times where I've asked them, for advice. In fact, I actually just texted Brandon tonight because I'm looking into maybe hiring a performance coach. And I was like, Hey, you got any pointers on how to find the right, like on how to decide between one or two, like, you know, whatever, like a very specific, very easy to answer question 
where I know, hey, he's done this before, he'll help me out. But not any crazy time, whatever. Um, whereas at the same time, like I've had Brandon store his car in my garage for four months while he was trying to move to the island and couldn't find anywhere <laughs> to store his car. Um, you know, so things like that, where it's just like, hey, you know, the occasional like, hey man, I saw this, you're doing awesome. You know, if you want to get to talk to big people, right, and you want to get around big people. Be friends. A, yeah, A, make it a point to actually talk to them. Don't chicken out. But when you do, don't fanboy and be crazy. Just mm. say whatever, you know, make a quick impression. Say, hey, I love your stuff. Still, you know, say nice things. And then try to stay in touch just occasionally with with you saying nice things to them and you trying to help them, not ever asking for anything, right? Like if you need help down the road, they're going to be willing to help you out. But mentorship and coaching and all that other great stuff, it begins with building a relationship and adding value. And then it's a byproduct. Unless you're willing to pay for people's time, that you're not going to get it. There's no like middle ground. You're either paying to play or you're building a relationship, adding value and trying to become a friend. Right. Like the whole idea of just saying, Oh, you want to be my mentor? Like if you find someone who's going to do that, they're probably not that good because otherwise they'd probably charge you. Or maybe you had some prior connection, like a family friend, but that's rare. It'd be the same as walking up to a hot girl you saw and asking her to be your girlfriend without ever talking to her before. You're going to get the same reaction. Yeah. And if they say yes, there's something else going on. They're crazy. Yeah. You got it. So, like, they have AIDS. Too many people jump into this whole thing of just not like being friends is one of the easiest things you can do with most people as long as you're not an a hole. Like it's pretty pretty straightforward just to you know make a good relationship with people and actually progress in things. Like obviously, like you and I have become friends, but it's in the whole like you know. We I still don't know why the hell you guys asked me to come help co-host your podcast. Uh, I don't know. I'm not complaining, but. <laughs> You're able to talk most of the time, I would say. There's a few things. You just got a little funky. But, you know, outside of that, you're pretty easy. I'm to a funky with. dude. I was homeschooled, man. Is any, should, we, should we tell everybody about the story of, um, of FinCon from last year? Are you uh, stumbling back off? You know, I would love to hear your perspective on it, so go for it. Okay. Because so, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> so every year we go to a conference called FinCon that I'm sure David has mentioned at one point. And we got a Marine to puke is the way we phrase mm. the story. Um, and not even a little bit um, enough to where you apparently woke up in the bed next to your own puke completely butt naked. Um, and I don't know, the night progressed by, we all decided we were at a party at a huge, what was it? A museum. We went mm. to the native American museum. Yeah, We basically rented out a Smithsonian. Yeah, no big we deal. Smithsonian museum rented out the whole thing. Um, the company that put it on, nobody knew what was going on because you don't throw a party with 3,000 people and then expect any of them to listen to you. Yeah. Uh, so they we had got, a wall of donuts. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> they had donuts. They had free drinks. It was fantastic. Yeah. Nobody still, at the end, nobody knew what was going on. Um, and we all decided we were going to go break into the pool at the hotel. Um, so ended up, the if anybody's ever stayed at the Washington Hilton, which is where... Um, I can't remember one president was shot and it's where they always have that uh, correspondence dinner that you always see every year. It is the most confusing hotel I've ever been to. Yeah, We never found that damn pool. No, I found a pool to a hotel next door by climbing outside something and realizing that I hopped the fence and then couldn't figure out how to get out. (laughs) Exactly. So we wandered around for what a good 20, 30 minutes. We ended Mm -hmm. up losing you. Yep. And by the time you came back around, you had drank somehow like a white clock. That's what my wife had. You drank whiskey. You mm-hmm. had drank some Captain Morgan of sorts yeah, I don't um, know what's going on. and beer and other things by that. 
And then by the end of the night, it came down to a conversation of, well, you stumbled off to the elevator and the rest of us were drunk enough that we didn't look at you and say, yeah, we should help him get to the room. We just said, good night. And you barely made it. I made it. Yeah, you did make it. And the night finished off with another friend that was sitting there uh, trying to describe something about penises and vagina in the middle of the lobby at like three in the morning. Of course. uh, With all of us just standing there staring at him. And it, but as proof of that whole conversation is like, that can be what your friendships are. Like if you want to meet somebody, like I'm going to steer this all back towards it is that (laughs) you can, we didn't have any conversations about real estate or any of the other stuff that any of us did, but it made it to where like we were able to just shoot the shit with each other about literally any random topic. And at the end of that, you know, it's easy enough for all of us to call each other, do whatever it is that we need to just to, if we have a question, but it's because we're actually friends now, it has nothing to do with like, Hey, I went after you because I wanted something from you. Um, you know, I made that mistake plenty when I got started in all of this and then I just stopped doing it. And my life's been a lot easier because I'm not stressing out about all these, you know, Oh, how can I get that person to help me? Well, they're not going to, if you approach it that way, yeah. you know, it's, go in, like make some shitty comment in a good way. Like just, make fun of something in a amusing way. And usually they'll be like, Oh, I like this guy. He didn't come over and like immediately like ask me for an autograph or something uncomfortable that I'm used to getting all the time, especially with people like you mentioned with like Brandon Turner, he's horrible at socializing when you meet him. He's not a, like, he loves conversation with people, but he's horrible at groups. Mm. So if everybody comes in fanboys, it's not going to go over well for you. He's very laid back. Yeah. He's definitely a quiet gentleman. Yeah. I, uh, for the record, that was the first time I'd thrown up drinking probably since Okinawa, which would have been like 2010. Um, so probably almost about a decade. But yeah, I just remember waking up. I was supposed to be at like uh, VIP networking at like eight in the morning for breakfast. And I remember waking up because room service was banging on the door at like 10 in the morning. And I look over and I'm like, Alex, I threw up. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, I'm going to go shower. And then he's like, okay. And then I'm like, I throw the covers off and I'm like, Alex, I'm sorry. I just flashed you. I don't know where my clothes are. <laughs> like, Oh my God. But I'm super surprised that I made it to my room on my own because I haven't been that drunk and you know, but whatever. Uh, it's crazy. Cause you go to this conference for like money nerds and you're like, yeah, financial frugal people. And then like that night. And then the next night I got kicked out of a penthouse with a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> they like called security on how loud we were. And it was like, you know, like Paul Thompson and like Paula Pant and like all these people who you're like, they drink like they don't like they're, they're okay spending money on alcohol, you know, like not to say that, you know, obviously they're not that, but there's this perception that people are so frugal that they don't spend money on anything. It's like, no, no, we, we like to get down. Yeah, they do. And it's really funny to run into those folks in those scenarios. Cause everybody's like, they look at their online persona, but in per- like everybody's pretty normal when you meet them in person, you know, even Mr. Money mustache, who many people know about, like I ran into him in a pool two years ago. And had some of the weirdest conversations I've had. And like I live up the street from the guy, but I never even had conversations with him like that, like in person yeah. here. It was just because he was drunk in a pool and we just like went off on other random topics. So, all right. Before anyway. we get dragged too much into FinCon again, because we could easily talk about that forever. Yeah, yeah. The entire audience is not going to give a shit about any of the <laughs> stuff we're listening we're talking about there. I know. So I want to get some kind of weird stories. Cause again, this whole thing is to kind of get people to understand who you are. So for everybody out there who's in the military, you know, when you're on your deployments, there's going to be some weird things that happened. Uh, we'll, we'll go with the good side of weird here. Yeah. Like, what are some of the most ridiculous, like, what's one or two of the most ridiculous things that happened to you on a deployment? Mm. One would be, 
my my buddy Q Quinteros Ventura. Uh, he was our assistant gunner, our A gunner, and we did a lot of 24-hour posts, or not 24-hour, but we were nocturnal, and we would do roads route security at night for stuff. So, like, there were, we were basically providing, we did all kinds of stuff, but during this stretch of time, we were providing security for engineers who were, like, paving roads and stuff, or paving, like, smoothing dirt, um, and uh, we were posted, and he was... I don't know. He was up in the gun doing security or whatever, and I'm in the pass the driver's seat. My vehicle manager's in the passenger seat, and he's like, "Hey, I gotta pee!" And so he gets he climbs over the turret, you know. And there's like a a fuselage. There's a tank, a fuselage tank right next to the passenger door, the driver door, where you can uh, you can stand and take a piss or whatever. He's peeing into the canal, and he'd been talking shit. Like, I mean, we always talk shit, but he'd been talking. Plenty of shit. And I think it might have been the same mission where we had an air conditioner. The trucks, you know, it's so hot there. They have an air conditioner in the front and an air conditioner in the back because they're, they're huge. You know, this one's like a six-wheel drive six wheel drive truck with uh, holds like eight, ten people, whatever. And uh, so in the back, you could pop the vent out and you could put like a Gatorade in it and it would keep cool off the Gatorade. And uh, our vehicle commander had gotten Dr. Pepper, like one or two cans or bottles of Dr. Pepper, which is super rare to come by because they were always gone by the time we got any resupplies and i think it was the same mission q had drank his dr pepper like he was asleep and q just was like fuck it and drank it and uh so anyway so q's peeing off the side of this truck in afghanistan and the bulletproof doors are like 550 pounds right like there's no stopping it no and uh crabs is crabtree's like hey should i uh like bug it he's like okay and unlatches it just slams the door open and throws q you know five feet off this truck into a canal that's just where they you know shit shower shave whatever all in this canal and it's like two in the morning and this is probably october so it it actually gets really cold in afghanistan at night um you know at the right time of year and uh, anyway so yeah in in full gear which is probably not the smartest thing to do um obviously we made sure it was okay but uh it was pretty funny um and then probably another great moment um and you said the good side of weird but this is probably still considered the good side of weird because otherwise we get into some stuff that's probably going to get me banned from itunes but uh i had in fact if you look at my journal if i was to open my journal the first page as you open it is cutouts from a playboy uh, and this <laughs> and the reason being and i have one of my favorite pictures from afghanistan is like we were on this four-day mission and i have like a half beard i'm just beat so it's just like this, someone i looked over someone took a picture and it's just like i am exhausted i mean i'm filthy i'm you know just disheveled whatever and it's like the true face of like oh my god but I've never shared that picture online because behind me on the wall behind me is just a whole bunch of Playboy cutouts, right? Cause you're like, this truck is just a whole bunch of dudes living in the desert. So it's whatever they're just posted everywhere. And, and at one point our Lieutenant who was a female who had never really come down to our fob, she stayed up at like the headquarters. She was down for something and I'm the lead vehicle. She decides she wanted to ride in the lead vehicle. I don't know. And, uh, I just remember the door opens and she jumps in the truck and she's like doing her thing. And then she like looks over to talk to me. And she like totally cool. Like she was like, Oh man, that's, I like, uh, I like what you guys have done with the place. Like super, super cool. And like, which totally caught me off guard. Cause I was like, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And then, like, like probably 10 minutes later, our Sergeant major who, if anybody listening to this knows who Sergeant major Coombs is, he was a first sergeant at the time. If you know that name, you know what I'm talking about. The guy looks like Brock Lesnar, probably bigger than Brock Lesnar. And he opens the door to talk to the Lieutenant and he sees the inside of my truck. And I don't know that I've ever been yelled at that much um, because he was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this to her. And I'm like, 
she didn't, she didn't seem to care. Um, anyway, so they all got very quickly pulled off, but I was like, I can't get rid of all these. So I like stuffed them all in my journal. I just, just never took them out. Um, so yeah. So, you, so, you have permanent Playboy cutouts in your journal. You know, and um, that's, I don't know. I mean, you judge me if you want people, but uh, I was 19, 20 years old, might die. So really didn't care. Yeah. At that but, point, it's not a big deal. We should add yeah. in, that made me think uh, with like, we just moved in the property we just sold. Um, for some white elephant thing that we had at a Christmas party ended up with like a 1986 March edition of Playboy or something like that as one of the gifts. And it was like that, a bottle of lotion and a box of tissues. And I figured when I moved, I was like, I'm going to leave this at the house. I'm going to like hide it somewhere in this house that like it's easy to find, but you don't go there that often. (laughs) I'm going to start doing this and having like friends do this is like leave old porn magazines, like just one at a very weird spot in every house that they sell or leave. Um, just to see what the person like, you'll never hear about it, but it's just one of those where, you know, somebody's going to come across it and they're going to immediately come up with like stories in their own head of what it was, where it was literally just you placing it. You like, need to go back like six months from now. And you'd be like, Hey, uh, can I get in your crawl space? I think I left something really important in there. And then like, maybe they found it and they're like, Oh my God. Or they didn't find it. And you're <laughs> like, Oh, there it is. And you literally just walk in and grab like Jergens and a magazine and walk yeah. out and they're going to forever just like, that was so important. You came back. <laughs> like, Oh my God. You got to do like weird things. I feel like if it was just like a playboy, it wouldn't be as good as like some other super raunchy thing. Mm. If you leave like a dildo or something like hiding out somewhere <laughs> in the house. Oh man. Remind me never to buy your house. No. Or maybe I should buy one of your houses. It might be entertaining. It might be. Well, we have a, we have a pit bull and his favorite dog toy looks like a 12 inch black dildo. <laughs> um, in it like because it's what the only thing that holds up to you know how strong his mouth is and so we just leave that thing in the middle of the floor and you can tell the people that have come over for the first few times like when they see it in the middle of the floor they immediately have questions and then they look closer at it and then kind of realize it's a dog toy but they have that first reaction where you can see them kind of look and go oh 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 it's like yeah we just leave this out in the middle of the floor you know <laughs> got done with it you guys came over too quickly oh man yeah it's all slobbered on i mean that's a great Anyway, uh, we should probably change the subject to something useful or my listeners are never going to make it this far into the show. <laughs> no, they'll keep listening. So, all right. So as we've, as you've progressed in all of this, you know, what has been like, why are you teaching people about this? Like what is kind of spurring you to continue to teach people on this? Yeah. I realized as I started blogging that there were a ton of military real estate investors and just military investors and finance people out there that I didn't know about, right? So as I started doing this, people started, I I distinctly remember uh, Alvarado, Captain, maybe Major, I don't know by now, if you hear this, uh, you know, this is you. Um, I distinctly remember I was in my my old unit and I'm in the hallway uh, standing near the duty post and this guy comes up to me and he's like, I know you from somewhere. I just heard you on the Bigger Pockets podcast, you know, or something, something, I think that was what it was. And, and it was just like this immediate, I mean, we, we talked all the time, you know, whatever. Uh, and that's not super common. Like I'm by no means a celebrity, but people have started to notice the platform and get involved in that. Like, holy crap. And I kind of almost feel like I'm responsible at this point. Like, man, there's so many people here. Who am I to not have a platform where everyone can talk? Like there's so many people that are way smarter than I am in this that, I just feel like I've got to, you know, keep facilitating this envi- this environment. Um, but then I realized, like, I made some really stupid financial decisions as a young Marine, and a lot of service members do. I mean, I just tried to talk a kid out of buying a $60,000 2020 truck, and, uh, I mean, he bought a $30,000 version of a truck 
which is still brand new and not the best, but it's way better, right? Like still a win by comparison. Yeah. I mean, you know, when he loses 50% of the value, it's 15 grand instead of 30 grand. So whatever. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of bad financial decisions out there. And I, I got, I became a command financial specialist. I started seeing some of that stuff and I really just kind of decided I wanted to help people out. And I, it's not even like I'm that great a coach or like, I just want to, it's not, it's not like I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to help someone become financially free today. It's just, I just kind of feel like, okay, I know this stuff and I've helped myself out. So who am I to not try to at least tell people, like, even if they don't listen, I'll tell you my biggest win this year, maybe some of them will, in fact, I bet one of them will listen. I bet Johnson will listen to this. My biggest win this year is that I handed the book Rich Dad Poor Dad to one of my Marines. We have 24-hour shifts at work. So there's two guys or girls who work when we leave at like, they come in at like 1600, four in the afternoon, they stay till midnight. And then there's two that stay from midnight to 7.30 or eight, depending on how fast the turnover goes. And then I have my normal crew that works with me during the day when we handle all the actual problems. Those people are more just like phone watch, you know, monitoring and tracking missions and stuff. And uh, I handed them one one of them, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I was like, here, read this. You know, you've got nothing to do tonight. Like, check it out. And, uh, man, I came in, like, I kid you not. I hand him the book. He's loving it. He hands it to someone else. He's loving it. I get my knee operated on and I'm out for 30 days. I come back. Every Bigger Pockets book is in my office and most of the Purple Library from Robert Kiyosaki. There's like 15 books and they're just like, I mean, post-it notes everywhere and like four different guys. Or One of the guys who... Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything bad, right? My first impression of this kid wasn't good. And so if you're listening to this, take it for what it is. My first impression wasn't good. Like he just did not make me feel like somebody who I was like, oh yeah, this is a, a stud. And uh, started reading some of these books and I come in one day and on my desk he'd left or someone had put, I don't know, but like a business plan that he was drawn out like for the next two years, um, like goals of his. And I was like, holy crap, like this is awesome. You know, like I, I actually gave him some feedback on it when I saw it. Um, and the guy's done like a 360. Like I was vouching for why he needed to get higher, higher marks for his uh, promotion stuff this, this year, because he has started to take ownership of things. And, and I mean, he's done some things that are solid at work as a, I, I don't know if it's because of reading those books or maybe I just hadn't had a chance to see it before, but now he's got this plan. He's, you know, all three of these guys that are the main ones reading, are looking at getting out of the military one within the next year, one within two years. And then the other one, I think has got like a year and a half and they're all planning stuff and ask me questions. And like, that's my biggest success this year. I think is that somehow me handing this book to one of them has resulted in every time that they come into work for their shift or leave for their shift, I could have a conversation to help, help them out with that. And just see like one of them's looking at buying a house here in San Diego. One of them's looking at buying a house back home. And like, they're both looking at house hacking and they wouldn't have even thought about that. And I mean, that's crazy to me to think like, I didn't read the damn book till I was older than all these dudes are. And so, I mean, they've got such a, I mean, I think of where I am in the last four years where I've come and I, I'm not a millionaire, you know, but I mean, my net worth is probably 10 times if not. In fact, I saw an article uh, this week that says like what your net worth is supposed to be at different ages. Mm-hmm. Apparently uh, under 35, if your net worth's over 10 grand, you're doing above average. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, I'm like 30 times that or more. I don't, I haven't tracked it this month, you know, but I wasn't there a, a year or two ago. Um, I wasn't there four years ago for damn sure. I probably didn't have $10,000 net worth. Uh, if you don't count my 401k, probably had 30 to count my 401k, but it's just crazy to think that it's made this much progress for me. And then to be able to see the progress it makes in others. So my biggest complaint with all this is that I, 
people find me when they've had their issue, they've figured out they need to change something and they want to look for a solution. I'm struggling with how to reach the people who haven't realized they need to find me yet. So that's like my, my goal this year is like, okay, how do I reach young service members? And I've been joking about it, but it's going to happen at some point this year probably is that I need to rent a Ferrari, rent a couple bikini models, rent a, you know, rent a really cool looking airsoft gun that, that looks like a real gun and like rent an Airbnb mansion and just be like, this is what it looks like to be a military millionaire and do like one of those stupid videos. And then at the end, like walk out and be like, no, all this crap's rented. This is all fake. Here's the real deal. But like that would actually get people's attention. Right? You like, and you could like, so somebody that might actually do well with that is um, some of you might know Mark Ferguson. If you've ever mm. um, come out to Colorado, you can come stay at our unit in our basement. Mark lives, you know, 30 minutes away. You can go to his house, shoot it there. He's got the, he just got a new Supra. Not mm. a new one. He got a 96. Nice. Um, it's I think anyway, if anybody knows Mark, he loves cars and mm. on his Lamborghini Diablo, he has a sign that says, ask me how I bought this, I bought my Lambo. And so when people ask him, he tells them about how he flips houses, how he does all these other things and like teaches them how, like, that's his way of kind of pulling people in. And so you get all the people who meet like, Oh, I could buy a Lambo. It's like, no, he's like, here's how I bought it with cash. Or like, here's how I got my houses to pay for the whole thing. And yeah. It's like the way to draw those people in who were just looking at the flashy part of it. And he goes, yeah, I earned this. Like I didn't just go out, spend a ton of money to do it. Like I made it to where I could actually afford this thing. Without yep. And yeah, it's, it is hard to reach those folks. Like I've tried it before with like bartenders and other people who you can, it's, it's always people who you can tell are kind of like down on their luck or other things, but they haven't like, they need a kick in the ass and finding the folks who are on the path to needing a kick in the ass. Like those are the difficult ones where you can't, they, they almost need it sometimes. Like sometimes you just have to fuck up. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the honest truth. If you don't pain, up, pain is the best motivator for change. Exactly. And you just have to do it. So, I mean, some of them like, yeah, you want to reach them. I mean, and there, it does help to reach some of them. But a lot of folks, we just need to make a real stupid mistake and just go, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, it sucks, but it's true. And it's, it's the mindset. I mean, I, I had some people in my office this last week who were, discussing how bullshit it was that the state and the feds take so much tax from you if you win the lottery. And I'm like, if you won $900 million and the feds took 600, which is probably less than they take, but if you lost 600 of that to taxes, you still made $300 million off a lotto ticket. Mm -hmm. Like you can be upset about the taxes all you want, but you can't be upset about the fact you made $300 million, like change your mindset. I would also tell them that you're 99.9% .9 of you are going to be broken two years again anyway. So absolutely. Matter. Yeah. <laughs> you're either going to spend $300 million over two years. You're going to spend $600 million over two years. So it's not going to be much different. No. Yeah. It's because your spending habits don't change your peer group doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah. And the one, one thing I want to bring up with people too is like something that people don't ever realize, is, you know, we always talk about like high taxes and different things like that. But when you get into something like this, you can reduce your taxes a ridiculous amount. Like every time my CPA sends me my tax bill every year, I have more saved up than I need every year because like I get paranoid. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have to pay out a bunch cause I don't pay it until the end. And so I save up a bunch, put it in there. And then she she's like, all right, how much did you make? Go through all these things. And I give her the number and she goes, all right, here's your bill. And I'm like, my jaw drops for the opposite reason. Cause it's like, wait, that's it. And it's like, I was paying more in taxes when I worked a day job then I, and I make more like, so I was making a third of the income as I am now. And I was paying twice as much in taxes. Like it's this weird thing. And 
I know I'm going off a little tangent here, but no. like there's so it's many tax season. people, it is tax season. And so many people complain about all their money going to tax. It's like, well, find other ways to keep it from going to that. And then, yeah, the government, they incentivize tax code to help people create the economic drivers that they want. If they want low-income housing, they're going to give you a huge tax credit for providing low-income housing. So figure out what the government's wanting you to do. You know, chase the tail, right? I mean, I got, I got probably five, at least five, if not six times more back last year off taxes than I've ever gotten before. And now part of that's I had a kid, you know, and, and some other stuff. But a huge part of that part of that is real estate and expenses that I took. Now, getting that much back, not good. That means I definitely could have planned better. And I'm hoping this year it's more evened out, although I would love a huge return. But, um, you know, but it's like, I, I mean, here I am, I look at my expenses and I'm like, I, my W-2, because I'm military, like I have a whole bunch of benefits that don't count towards my W-2. My expenses on real estate this year are probably almost triple what my W-2 income was. Obviously, there's some income that comes in from real estate, but to do all of that craziness and still come out getting a big check from the IRS, like, cool. I did not ever expect that. No complaints there at all. Yeah, it's crazy. Too many people just dig their heads in the sand and it's just, it's sad to watch. But at the end of the day, like I do, I have had to come to the realization. I think any of us who are kind of in the space of like trying to help people find a better path to what they're trying to get, you know, like we all want to be around people that are happy and are enjoying their lives. And so that's what we're help, trying to help them do. Um, but the, the problem I've had to get into my head is that if everybody figured this out, it wouldn't work either. <laughs> like, sure. So there's a balance. There are going to be people who just don't figure it out and you just got to let them slide. And so for anybody yeah. else out who's out there, like if you figure this out and you're very passionate about it and you're trying to help others, you're not going to win everybody over. There's going to be a couple who just, it doesn't work. That's fine. Move on to the ones, put your effort into the ones that actually are intrigued and want to keep moving forward. Cause that's the ones where you can actually have that story of like, I helped somebody, you know, get through this. We even had, we just released our episode today, the day we're recording this and the fun, we always do a fun story at the beginning of ours. And in that, the fun story for him was that um, they helped save their tenant's marriage, um, which is something you never hear a landlord talk about, but because like they had gotten close with their tenants because they had a multiplex and they lived near them. um, They're like, yeah, we're moving out because we're splitting up. Um, And they had given them a specific book called the love languages, five love languages that I just read that again great book and yeah. so they gave them to that and then their tenants ended up sticking to, it's like three or four years later and they ended up sticking together they figured all their shit out instead of just splitting and going through that and it's like these weird little things that you can kind of find within all of these i'm gonna keep hitting my mic here if anybody can yeah. hear that and it it's great to just feel that you've helped somebody even in the most minor way obviously saving a marriage might be a bigger way than others but it's still a great thing to kind of help so for anybody who is listening you know to myself david anybody else who's in this space like just try to help other folks out don't go out of your way to the point where it's detrimental to you but just little things you'd be amazed like if you you just have to make it click if you just get that one thing to click for them and all of a sudden they come back like six months later be like oh my god thanks for telling me that like i've done this this and this and you're like okay i'm good for the year like i don't need anything else like i'm gonna stop working i've got the high i need (sighs) yeah it's just be a good person yeah, it's it's crazy. That's how life boils down, right? Yeah. So as we're let's kind of start wrapping things up here. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say we. I don't know how much more I can make you talk. You got you got bedtime soon, I'm sure. Oh, bedtime is whatever. <laughs> uh, 
it's a busy week. So I'm up anyways. So, um, let me mark it all. So where, where are you going with all of this? We've kind of talked about what you're, you know, what you've built up and you've got this community going and you're helping people and, you know, have we really, have you really gotten across to your audience? Like what your goals are? Like, do they know what you're pursuing in the long term here? Like, what are you actually looking to do? That's a good one. It's a very good question. Uh, Probably not. I don't talk about it as much as I should. I have a vision board. I should have grabbed it. Um, One goal uh, is that in the next three years, I'd like to host a conference for service members. So uh, an investor related, finance related, you know, career related, whatever uh, conference. I thought about calling it the military investor conference, but there's also a military influencer conference. So, oh, well, um, that actually, and I can't give any specifics, but, uh, just to put a little hype out there that might be happening a lot sooner than anticipated. Um, and there's, uh, some pretty cool stuff in the works that hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, Lord willing, uh, that'll come to, that'll happen and that'll be really cool. Um, and, I think that'd be cool because it means that I get to bring the community together. You know, I mean, I have a mastermind group. I'd love to be able to bring them all somewhere and do an event. And that was something I wanted to do this year. Anyway, this might be the event where I'm able to pull people together and meet all this, this huge audience of people that not only me, but other investors in the military have made and really help reaching out and changing the financial mentality of service members. I mean, there's just all these stereotypes, the Mustang, the alcohol, the tattoos, the women, the whatever that we blow all the money on. And I mean, a lot of that's stereotypes for everyone. It's worse. It's so much worse. I don't know why the culture is so much worse for service members, what we blow our money on. Just such a, the percentage of paycheck to money lost, like it's bad. So hoping to help change some of those financial uh, norms and just really help people out in that way. Uh, I'd like to write a book. That's the goal this year. I have a had thought about writing the book on military real estate investing, but uh, I'm looking at something a little bit broader and a little bit, a a lot more complicated. Um, I can't seem to flesh the story out. Right. But yeah, (laughs) I see you marking that me over here yawning. Um, So I I, want to write a book. um, And and that's just something I've always kind of wanted to do. It's not going to be the journal thing, although I might do that at some point. Man, what else? I mean, my goal is to get to a point where I'm able to not have to work. Not that I won't work. Obviously, I will continue to produce content and teach and coach and whatever. But I want to get to a point where if somebody wants to have me come out and coach them and there's that relationship, I could jump on a plane and do it. Or if I could go speak somewhere, I could do that. Or if I want to go on vacation, I can do that. And I I want to be able to take time to really help more people, but also to just spend time with my family. Like, I I mean, I feel like after 11 and a half years of active duty time, it's kind of time to settle down a little bit, relax and, you know, grow, raise some kids and love on a wife and build a, build something good together and be able to help other people. But I want to create a world where service members can do four years in the military and get out of the military smoothly or do 20 years in the military and get out of the military smoothly. I I tell people all the time, there's this, if you take me on a six mile run, I mean, obviously right now with the whole knee surgery thing, maybe not, but you know, in my prime, if you took, told me you were running six miles for PT, great, let's do it. 
But if you tell me we run at three miles and on the third mile, we pull into the barracks parking lot and slow down and then you keep running and you run that fourth one, that fourth mile is going to be terrible. And I'm going to be way more miserable doing that than I would on a six mile run. Because psychologically, when you tell yourself you're done and then you have to keep going, it's terrible. And I see a ton of service members hit that 20 year pension mark, retire from the military and then have their, oh shit, I have to keep working moment. And they realize, like, I did 20 years of slaving over, you know, deployments and everything else, and I can't exit the military and actually retire. That's that's painful to watch, you know, and I'm sure it's painful to do. I, I don't know, you know, and I want to help people get to a point where if you get out after four years, you've got so much money in your thrift savings plan that you can retire at 60 and never work again or that you can... Uh, you know, roll it into a self-directed IRA and, and keep investing in real estate and take care of yourself there. But you're set. Like, you know, hey, this is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it. I'm going to be good. Or you can do 10 years and get out. Or you can do 20 years. Maybe you do 10 years and go in the reserves, which is kind of what I'm looking at doing at 13 years. Um, and, and you have these options. And you, we just help people understand like, hey, look, we want you to do the best you can in your career. Whether and If it's not military, that's fine. You know, whatever your job is. But I just like, cater to military because that's that's what I know, right? And there's some specific benefits there and whatnot, but I just want to help people get to a point where when they decide it's time to leave the military, whether that's 4, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, they can leave the military on their terms and be successful. Yeah. That's a like it's a it's not long-winded, but it's a long way of coming around to like exact like I like that point trying to help people out specifically within the niche that you know you know you know the military side of things you know the downfalls you know all those other pieces and it's great that you're actually out here trying to help folks get that figured out and as long as you help a few that's all you need at the end of the day if you've helped a few people get out of it and actually figure out how to make their life better once they are done with the military then that's fantastic i agree and i think that's probably a good place to leave it it is so the future for all of you listening who knows but I hope you're all there to join the party. You mentioned the website and all that stuff. Or is that in the pre-recording? Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to do all that stuff for other people. <clears throat> hey, Dave, where can people get a hold of you? Oh, that's a great question, Dave. Uh, if I was to try to get a hold of myself, I would say the best way is to message me on Instagram because I respond to every single message every single day. The next best way not to get a hold of me, but would be to go join the Facebook group at Facebook slash dot com slash group slash military millionaire or just type in military millionaire and go request to join there because it's uh growing really fast and there's a ton of people way smarter than me who will help answer your questions i have a youtube channel you know go to from you know military to millionaire and you'll you'll find me there and uh the podcast oh and we've got i mean now we've got a mastermind there's a course there's some coaching you know some different resources out there, free, re a ton of free resources, a couple paid resources. Cause I mean, you know, I, it takes a lot of time to do this. Eventually I should probably start making money or my wife might make me stop. So, um, and I think I operated in the red all through the last two years. So I have yet to be profitable at all on any of this. That's not why I do it. It's fun. Um, so, you know, at least this year I'd like to break even so I don't get murdered, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, from militarymillionaire.com or military millionaire on Google or ugly mustache marine, you know, one or the other. I'll pop up. All right, so I'm going to make David shut up here and call it episode over. So 
David, thanks for having <laughs> you on your own show. And thanks for having me on to bring you, bring you out to your audience here a little bit and getting to understand a little more about you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military millionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.